Ni hao. Ah, wasn't that great? That's Mandarin. You can speak Mandarin. Hebrews chapter 11. We're starting a new sermon today, our new sermon series. Uh, Corey, I thought you were just going to preach the sermon, brother. Uh, together we believe. Together we believe. So today we're going to talk about together, uh, today uh, we believe by faith, okay? What do you believe? Why do you believe it? It's a long conversation we could have, right? Today we're talking about we believe by faith. And then next Sunday we'll talk about we believe in God the Father. And then the next Sunday we believe in God the Son. And what does the Bible say about who Jesus the Son is? And then the next we believe in the Holy Spirit and so on. So before we get to Hebrews 11, there's a whole lot of things i like to cover because today really sets us up for the coming, really, the next two months. Today is kind of laying the foundation for uh, what we're going to look at when it comes to what we believe and why we believe it. One thing I love about our church is we are made up of, uh, we're Baptist all the way through and through. But we are a church made up of many people from many different denominational backgrounds. And I love that. I think it's great. I think it's healthy. Um, And it's just unique. And uh, it's special. And so if you grew up in a a Catholic church or a Presbyterian church or a Methodist church, then you would be very familiar with the Apostles' Creed or something like that. Okay? And uh, this is... One version of the Apostles' Creed is actually the oldest, and now it's been translated to English for for our purposes. Uh, But a creed is just something to help guide us to what the Bible says. It's more of like a statement of faith, so to speak. So, there are a lot of churches today that they can recite uh, creeds like this and many other things, what they believe, and yet, they don't believe the Bible at all. And so there's no power in a creed. There's no power necessarily in a statement of faith. The power is in the Word. The U.S. Constitution, for example, it's a living document. But where does the power lie? With the people, right? And so that's kind of how it is with the creed. It's, it's not powerful and it's not perfect. It's written by people. But the Word of God is inerrant and holy and fallible indescribably awesome and it's that's why we teach the word so i just want us to look quickly at this this is the apostles creed it's the statement of faith uh, this was written by one of the early church fathers in a letter in 390 a.d i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth and in jesus christ his only son our lord who was conceived by the holy spirit born of the virgin mary suffered under pontius pilate was crucified dead and buried. It's important that we believe those things. He descended into hell. That's an interesting conversation we can have later. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church. The word Catholic means the universal, the all-encompassing church. Uh, Unless you are in the Catholic Church uh, saying this out loud, then you actually probably believe in that this is talking about the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, 
and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay? How many people have heard that before? Raise your hand. Wow. Okay. How many of you have, growing up as a child, you said that all the time? Okay. Look at all the hands. Wow. Well, I grew up in a modern Baptist church, and I didn't hear that until I went to college. And so I have a lot of friends that they love this kind of stuff. They love to, to, um, to say these type of things in a monotone voice in a corporate setting. Now, me personally, uh, I'd rather put it to music and sing it, okay? Because anything monotone just gets kind of stuffy. And to me, Jesus is alive, and we don't need to be ashamed about it. And we need to be excited. But I guess you can be excited in a monotone voice if you want to share, shout it, read it. So, I'm Baptist, many of you are Baptists. Now, we're Christian because of the grace of God. We're saved by God's grace, right? Born again, the Lord, He did it, all that. But I'm a Baptist because by choice. I'm a Baptist by choice. Why? Well, I believe uh, that Baptist doctrine seeks closer to the Bible than any other. Now, that may offend people here today that's uh, not Baptist, and that's okay. Well, I don't want you to be offended. I'm just trying to articulate why I'm Baptist, because it's kind of important. If the Southern Baptist Convention ever strays away from the Bible, I don't think we need to be in the Southern Baptist Convention. Does that make sense? Um, I'm going with the Word, and I hope that most of you will as well. Now, just one reason that I'm proud to be a Baptist is the word baptizo. This is kind of the the elephant in the room. The word baptizo is a a term that was created um, in the early or late 19th century. And actually mid-19th, not the 19th century, 1500s, 1600s. Because persecution started happening. And if you got baptized, they would burn you at the stake or dip you in tar. And so then they started, I think I would too, they began to sprinkle people and because it's a lot less risky. And um, that's what happened. That's just the reality. But in the Bible, Jesus, the scripture says, when he was baptized, that he came up out of the water. The word baptizo, it means to literally to submerge. It was used in ancient writings and it meant to submerge under the water. Now, Baptism, it's not necessary to be saved, right? It's not. Jesus saves by faith, born again. But baptism is necessary for obedience. So you can go to heaven for all eternity and never be baptized. The guy on the the cross beside Jesus, he was was, uh, never baptized. And the Lord said what? Today you will be with me in paradise. So, baptism is important. Uh, Last week we had... uh, we got home and, and Allison said, I think we may have had a, a, a mini revival at our church. I said, I think you may be right, sister. Uh, the Lord was in the house doing some stuff. And so we just want, want to make sure we keep getting out the way and let him do it. Right? And God's at work. He's moving. And uh, so proud to be a Baptist. Now, can we cooperate with people that are not Baptist? Absolutely. Especially if we agree on the essentials blood of Jesus paid for our sin. The Word of God is infallible. And then there's some, so those are non-negotiables, right? The, the core tenets of our faith. In the next the t- next two months, that's what we're talking about. The core tenets of our faith. What we believe. Why we believe it. 
But there is a reason we have denominations, and we need to all realize that. My grandparents on one side used to be Church of God, I think, right? And my mom's here, so I looked to her for reassurance. And then um, my dad's here too, and my brother. Secret shout out. Okay. So, and then my grandparents on the other side, they were Methodists. So you say, well, how did you get Baptist? I don't really know. Somewhere along the, on the way, my grandfathers both passed away and they're in heaven. But when they, when they died, they were Southern Baptists. And so you just go to figure somewhere in their journey, they decided to start going to a Baptist church based upon what they believed. Okay. And what they believed the Bible said. And today there's many people maybe visiting and, and it's good for you to kind of have to think about what do I believe? Why do I believe it? Is it because my mom and dad told me so? Is it because grandma said? Most of the time my grandma says it's, it's right. But we need to think about it. We need to know how to articulate it to people. The Southern Baptist Convention specifically, uh, just this summer in Phoenix, had their annual meeting. And I want to tell you, the Southern Baptist Convention today is just as strong, I believe, as it ever has been. Today, more, uh, this year, more money was raised to take the gospel to the nations than ever before in our history. Ever before. That's awesome. That's good news. There are more seminaries at the Southern Baptist Convention upholding the word of God as infallible and inerrant than ever before in our history. Wow. Um, something that's really controversial, and I'd like to mention, it happened yesterday. All of the riots that happened in Virginia. At this latest Southern Baptist Commission, they passed a resolution to denounce the alt-right supremacy movement that's happening. Okay? Now, there's a lot of confusion about what is the white supremacy movement. I just want to be very clear and articulate what the leadership of those organizations are claiming. It is a racist organization that basically believes that Hitler is a hero. Okay? They believe in Nazis... Fascism, fascist, dictatorship type of rule. And I'm here to tell you, unashamedly, unapologetically, that it is from Satan. And it's racist, and it does not make the Lord happy. So, at the Southern Baptist Commission this year, they passed a resolution to denounce this movement. I think it's pretty awesome. And it was unanimous. So, we posted on our website a link to those resolutions that you can go and look at. Um, actually, it's on our Facebook page and on our Twitter page if you'd like to look at that today. If you can figure out how to get to those places. If not, uh, you can talk to James. He can help you. Or, we, or just go to sbc.net. How about that? sbc.net and you can find it on there. Okay. Now... One more thing before we get to, I know this is the longest introduction ever in the, in, in, in the world. Okay. We passed on July 23rd, 2017, a new mission statement at our church, okay? And this, uh, this statement is not powerful. It has no uh, supernatural ability. It can be changed at any moment. But this is just a guide that we passed as a church, uh, spearheaded by our staff, by our pastoral staff, and this is it. To gather together in worship, grow together in community, and go together to all nations. 
Now, part of it makes you wonder, well, what do those things mean, right? And that's kind of a good thing. We kind of want it to be to draw your curiosity a little bit. We want people in the community, when we tell them our mission statement at our church, for them to say, what in the world does that mean? We want them to ask it so that we can then tell them what we're about. Well, to help you understand what this is about, the next three Sunday nights, we're going to do a, a mini preaching series through these things. And tonight, James is going to preach on gather. See those three words, gather, grow, and go? So tonight, James is going to preach on gathering, what the Bible says about us as believers gathering together in worship. The next Sunday night, I will preach on what the Bible says about growing spiritually as individuals and collectively growing and how to and discipleship. We'll talk about making disciples that make disciples. And then lastly, uh, the, the next Sunday night, we're going to have a special, a special night we're calling, we've done it before, we call it Reach, okay? At 5 o'clock, we'll meet in the multipurpose room. I know 5 o'clock is going to interrupt a few of your naps. Just go to bed at 1, and you should wake up by then. If not, there's a problem. So at 5 o'clock, from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock, we're going to do old-fashioned outreach, okay? We're going to make outreach cool again. Know what I'm saying? And we're going to write, some people can write letters. Some people can make phone calls. Some people are going to go knock on people's door. Oh, yes, we are. Yes, knock on the door. Because statistics say most people, the majority of people, will actually come to church if you invite them. Did you guys know that? And there's thousands of people just waiting for somebody to care. And that's what we're going to do. And it's a great time for our Sunday school teachers to really re- recruit people to their Sunday school class. And uh, that's going to be an exciting night. Well, at 6 o'clock, you guys are going to like this. We're going to eat food together, which is very biblical. And that's one reason I like being a Baptist as well. Amen. So we're going to eat. Yeah, amen. So we're going to eat together. And then after we eat, we're going to have hear some testimonies. Hey, how did the visits go? Who did you call? As you were prayer walking, who did you run into? What, what happened? And we're just going to have a, a testimony time, a, t- a time just to share. And then Corey Carr is going to preach on go, what the Bible says about going, being in the hands and feet of Christ. Okay, I know that was a lot, but just want you to know what's coming. Those are Sunday nights, gather, grow, and go the next three Sunday nights. Whew. Okay. We believe by faith. Faith is powerful. Faith is the ingredient that unlocks salvation. Faith is how we're sanctified. Faith is what drives our feet to action. We just got through the book of James. It's faith. It's what we believe that causes us to reach out and to serve a lost and dying world, right? It's our faith. It's what we believe about the Bible. We tell people about Christ. Why? Because we believe that He can save them. We believe He's all that matters in this life. So what we believe impacts our life. On November 4th, the LSU Tigers are going to roll into Tuscaloosa. They're going to roll in there to play the Alabama Crimson Tide. And when they strap up the, the chin strap, the LSU Tigers better believe with all their heart, that they're going to beat Alabama. Now, most years, whether they believe it or not, they're going to get whooped. (laughs) But 
Anybody can be beaten on any given day, right? But if they roll into Tuscaloosa and if they don't believe it, oh, it's not going to be pretty. Because see, Alabama always believes that they can win. Every time. But the Saturday they slip up, they, they too can be beat. Faith. You believe right now in your chair. You have faith in that chair. You're sitting in it. All of your weight is in that chair. If you didn't have faith in that chair, you'd be standing up. You wouldn't be sitting down in that chair. Ladies, when you go shopping, you have to have faith that you're going to find a good deal, right? You've got to have faith. You say, well, none of these clothes fit. None of them work. This, you can, if you give up, you're never going to find anything, right? Now I'm amazed that women can shop on the computer and they can be a part of this little video chat thing and they can type, uh, ask questions, and the lady talking will actually start talking back to you live. And I, it may be a cult or something. I'm still trying to check into it. But it, it's bizarre. My wife told me, she said, I, found a, I got a dress for $2. And I'm thinking, I'm so glad I prayed for a wife that would be frugal. <laughs> I did. I really did pray for that, that characteristic. But faith determines a lot. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Let's read the first three verses, okay? The first three verses. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Wow. There's three truths I'd like to share this morning. Three truths. Number one, biblical faith is trusting God to be faithful to His Word in every circumstance. Got it? Now, I, I failed to uh, work this out where they would pop up one at a time, so you'll just have to get over that. But, or just don't read number two yet, okay? But biblical faith is trusting God to be faithful to His Word in every circumstance. That's what faith is. Eyesight, your eyesight, it produces a conviction about objects in the physical world, right? There's another car. Swerve and don't hit it. Uh, eyesight produces conviction. Look at the sky. It's beautiful. Well, faith produces convictions in the invisible world. Biblical faith is not wishful thinking. Biblical faith is a conviction based on the Word of God. Okay, so in the Garden of Eden, God's Word said, you can eat from all these trees, but you see that tree over there? Don't eat from it. That was God's Word. What did Satan do? He attacked God's Word. He said, Eve, just relax. Did God really say? Now, Eve should have said, absolutely he did. Back off, fella. Get, get back. In the name of Jesus, in the name of God, Yahweh, back away from me. But she didn't. She believed the lie. She believed that God may have misspoken. She believed the lie that God's word is not 
solid. It's not inerrant. It's not holy. And she sinned. That's what faith is. Biblical faith is trusting God to be faithful to His Word. God says to do something. We can go do it with full confidence, knowing that He called us. We have to do that by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Okay, number two. Biblical faith is the example set by the saints before us. Look at verse 2. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Wow. Faith gets the attention of God. Faith gets the attention of God. Abraham left everything that was comfortable to go to a land that God had promised him, and he packed up his family. Why? By faith. By faith. Noah. Noah built the ark. Why? Because he had faith that God's word was true, that it was going to rain, and that God would help him build that ark. He, I believe he couldn't have done it on his own. He needed the Lord's help. He needed all the help he could get. By faith, Queen Esther risked her life for her people. By faith, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar. Listen to this from Daniel. They said, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. And we believe, keyword believe, that He will deliver us. But if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Wow, that's faith right there. They said, we believe God's going to rescue us. But let it be known to you, brother, that if He doesn't rescue us, then we're still going to go with Him. We're still going to worship the Lord. We're still going to trust His Word. Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have the kind of faith? What happens when they show up to arrest everyone that's here? Are you going to hide the Bible underneath the chair? Are you going to stop coming to church? I believe a day is going to come in America where the Lord's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And it's not going to be cool anymore to go to church. We may not have enough money to turn on the air conditioning. It's going to be real hot down here on the coast. And most people are going to pack it up. And they're going to tell, and then when their children are going to ask them, hey, mom, why don't we go to church anymore? Mom's just going to say, we just don't do that anymore, sweetie. A day's coming. And friend, you need to decide now, today, what you believe about the Lord and what you believe about the Bible. Day is coming. I'm excited for that day. It's going to be awesome. Nothing's going to stop God's church. You believe in the Holy Church? We just sang about it. Nothing's going to stop it. That's exciting. We know what happens in the end. We've read the book of Revelation. Faith gains the attention of the Lord. Another example, Matthew chapter 14. We got this on the, script, on the screen. By the way, thank you guys for working up there and helping us. Uh, on the rare occasion, something doesn't go right. They always get blamed, but all the times they do well, nobody ever says anything. So make sure you encourage them, these guys. But in Matthew chapter 14, this is 
one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Look at it. Look at it. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go. This is Jesus. Go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. That sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? Go up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land. They left Jesus, basically. They left him. How can you leave Jesus? Beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Verse 25, And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. Yes, you read that right. Walking on the sea. Because he's God, he can do that sort of thing. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it is a ghost. It's a ghost. They watched too many scary movies. And they cried out in fear. Look out. This is an epic verse. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart in his eye. Do not be afraid. Look what happens. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Wow. Look what happened. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. I believe the Lord's here today. He's calling some of us to get out of the boat. He's calling us to get out of our comfort zone. He's calling us to do whatever it takes to be obedient to the gospel, to the Great Commission to make disciples. Now, we get upset with Peter, especially children. We get mad at him because we, you know, as a, as a child, I wanted to see Peter water ski without a ski boat. I, I wanted to see Peter run around and, and, and have fun on the water. And so we get upset when we see that Peter got distracted and he kept faith. We get mad at him. But Peter was the man. Because Peter was the only disciple that asked to go out on the water. That's faith. That's faith. Peter sat down on the edge of the boat. And he swung his left foot around. Then he swung his right foot around. And he sat on the edge of that boat. And then he stood up. That's faith. And then he began to walk out into the water. In really deep water, by the way. That's faith. You have that kind of faith? We can. We can have the same amount of faith as Peter. Last truth, based on verse 3. Biblical faith unlocks the mysteries of the past and the future. Verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, we can tell people how the world was created. We can tell people that it's just as the Bible says. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 12 says that who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens. Based on that verse, the Lord can take his hand and he can measure the universe. He can measure the heavens in his hand. And if the Lord can create the cosmos, He can control your chaos. This morning, let's be real, okay? 
There's a lot of crazy going on in our lives, maybe in your life, and maybe no one knows about it. Or maybe everybody does know about it. Regardless, if he can create the stars, you know, in, in Genesis chapter, I think it's chapter one, maybe chapter two, there's a phrase, the NIV version says, and he also made the stars like it was nothing. And he also made the stars. We serve a powerful God. He can do anything he wants to. And he can help you control your chaos. But also faith unlocks the mysteries in the future. Sometimes we have to walk forward and go forward by faith to find out what's behind that door. So maybe you've got some open doors in your life and some closed doors. But sometimes it takes walking out by faith to find out what's on the other side of that door. Many people today can testify. Maybe it was a career change. Okay, maybe the Lord, you've been doing something for a long time, and all of a sudden, God's leading you to do something different. That is terrifying. Especially for people here today that's retired. You know, those are scary times. You start to do something your whole life, and now you've got to transition. A new job, a new schedule. That's terrifying. But there's maybe some blessings walking by faith into that. Maybe for some of you ladies, it was the first date you went on with your husband. You said, Lord, i got to walk by faith on this because I don't know about this guy. You know, that may have been the case. But because you went forward by faith, you got to see what God had for you. You, you got to find out how special they were. You know, it takes a lot of faith to be an atheist, doesn't it? It takes a lot of faith to believe that we evolved from a fish or horse. That's a lot of faith. We mentioned before about the human eye it has 100,000 working parts. Charles Darwin himself said that to this day, when he was alive, he said, the human eye makes me shudder. Darwin said that. I'm going to share a quick story. Let's say that I used Dr. Kendrick earlier. He's a church member. He attended the 8 o'clock service. I'll use him again, okay? Let's say Dr. Kendrick, he was going to get in a boat here in Bay St. Louis, right here at the harbor. And uh, let's say that it was filled with people. And let's say that there was a gentleman named Bill that also got on the boat. And they headed south, okay? They went between Cuba and Mexico, and they went to the Panama Canal, and they went all the way through it, and they made it to the Pacific Ocean. And then let's say that they headed due west. I mean, far out, way out, like halfway between, oh my goodness, Mexico and Papua New Guinea, okay? Way out there in the middle of nowhere. And a storm comes up, and the ship sinks, and Dr. Kendrick finds himself waking up on a remoted island. Okay? So, and also, Bill washes up. And so it's Dr. Kendrick and Bill. And there they are. There, no one else survived the, the sinking of the ship. They're the only two. Wednesday night crowd has heard this story before. Bear with me. Some of you that have been here when I shared this. So they start walking around. Maybe there's life on this island. Maybe 
we can get some help. So they start searching and they come across an arrowhead on the beach. An arrowhead. And after this initial discovery, Dr. Kendrick says, well, I think there may be some human life here because of that arrowhead. But Bill responds, let's not get too excited about going home anytime soon. Perhaps over billions of years, the wind and the waves and the rising and the falling of the tides just happened to form a rock that looks like an arrowhead. So Dr. Kendrick said, well, I don't know if I believe that, but maybe so. So they walk a little further and they come upon some driftwood No, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. They come up upon a canoe that was anchored on the shore. And Dr. Kendrick was excited. He said, okay, this is a good sign. I, I think there's people here. And Bill said, oh no, friend. Maybe it just so happened that millions of years occurred and driftwood uh, settled here together and fused together to create and just so happens to be a perfect shaped uh, object that looks like a boat. And at this point, Dr. Kendrick begins to be concerned about Bill. But then they come across, so they keep walking, and they find a sequence of letters written in the sand that says, Welcome. Welcome. And in the negative sense, Bill says, well, perhaps the wind and the waves just formed this sequence of letters. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Well, that's what people that say God doesn't exist, that's exactly what they do. They believe that we got here with the, the bodies that we have and all the complexities and the earth is the perfect, all these things have to fit perfectly for life to even exist. It takes a lot of faith to believe that that came from nothing. What do you believe? I believe that God said, let there be light. And out of God's mouth, light came at 186,000 miles per second. He created the earth. And that should encourage us that if he can create the earth, he can create all the animals, all the fish, that he can take care of you and me. As we get ready to close, Major Ian Thomas was a young evangelist from England. And he one day he was ready to quit. Anybody feel like that today? Ready to quit? He was ready to quit, throwing a towel. And he had cried out for help for years. And finally, he decided to change his prayer life to start, instead of crying out for help, to start thanking God. For all the blessings in his life. And so this prayer came to him one day. Lord Jesus, I can't. You never said I could. But you can and always said you would. This is all I need to know. It takes faith to say that prayer. I'm going to read it again. Lord Jesus, I can't. I cannot, 
but you never said I could. You can and always said you would. This is all I need to know. Can you pray that kind of prayer today? Because of the faith you have in the Lord? A few questions and we'll get ready to re- respond. What door is God calling you to walk through today? Think about it. Just between you and Him, nobody else's business. What door, new door, is God calling you to walk through today? What's the Lord asking you to do by faith? Another question. What door is God asking you to close? What door is God closing? And maybe you need to receive that by faith. We can't do, if we do everything, then we can't do anything well. I think so many times we're spread so thin. And then we justify it and think we're really serving the Lord when really we're not doing anything well because you're doing 7,000 things. So sometimes the wisest decision to make is to say no. And to start saying yes to the right things. I mean, you, you can let your child play on five sports teams at the exact same time. That's probably going to ruin your family. That's not a wise decision. Just let them go one at a time. Maybe two. Not three. I don't see how you can do that. But hey, different strokes from different folks. If that's you, then more power to you. Just, I just know that a lot of our children are going to grow up and a, a coach spent more time with their kids than their dad. And I have a problem with that. Anyways, I don't know where that came from either, okay? Jesus took the wrath of God on the cross by faith. Jesus took the wrath of God on a cross by faith. It was his love for you and his faith in the mission that kept him on the cross. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Last verse. And then we'll have our invitation. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, But the righteous man shall live by faith. For the believer... Everything we do is by faith. We come to church by faith that it actually is worth it, that God is worthy of worship. We go to work by faith to provide for our families. We love other people. That takes a lot of faith, doesn't it? Everything we do is by faith. And when we start depending on our own own strength and our own effort, then we have forfeited the power of God inside of us. Now, the Lord's still there, but He doesn't have, He's still in you. But when you start walking in the flesh, He'll let you. He'll let you start walking in the flesh. But He wants to live His life through you.
but it takes you putting faith in His Spirit for that to happen. Let's pray.